If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8. We're preaching verse by verse through key chapters, and this is one of the most key chapters in the Word of God. It's talking about the Spirit-filled life. And I want you to know this, friend, you're living beneath your God-given privilege if you're not Spirit-filled. I mean, controlled by the Spirit of God. And folks, this morning, we're going to preach on the confidence that we can have in the Spirit-filled life. I'm talking about Faith. I wish we could have sung that last song, but we ran out of time because of that video. And uh, maybe we'll sing at the end of the service. But faith is the victory that overcomes the world. But I want to tell you who the overcomer is. It's the Holy Ghost inside of you. Amen. You think you can overcome this wicked world? Friend, I'm going to tell you something. You cannot. You're no match for the devil. And you're no match for this world. But I want to tell you something. I know one that will answer the door when temptation knocks. And he's called the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Holy Spirit of God. So let's fill our hearts with the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and we'll have victory. Get out of Romans 7 and get in Romans 8. Romans 7 is about I can't do this, and I don't want to do that and end up doing it. Oh, wretched man that I am. There's a warfare going on in your heart, and uh, folks, uh, you need to yield to the Spirit of God. That's why you need to be in church every time you get a chance. Matter of fact, more than you get a chance. You ought to make it by, 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 by appointment and by discipline to be under the sound of the gospel because you need it, because we're in a warfare, amen, a warfare. And uh, I appreciate that song, How Long Has It Been? And I think a lot of people, it's been a long time since they've uh, trusted the Lord to take care of them. And that's what we want to preach on uh, this morning, on the divine confidence of the spirit life. You ought to have some confidence. I'm not cockiness, but confidence. So we're going to start with where we left off. Uh, verse 24, I know that's a few, a couple of verses of review, but I like to review, amen, just in case you weren't here last Sunday night. And I think we forgot to do, do our men's breakfast, so we'll announce that tonight if we're going to have it. Please come back tonight. My son, my grandson will be preaching, uh, and uh, he, wants, he wants everybody to be here, amen. And he's going to Af South Africa. Chance is uh, getting married on October 13th, 11th, somewhere there. It's on a Monday night. That's the oddest thing I've ever heard. But anyway, uh, uh, that's that's all right. Amen. And uh, it's going to be good food, I heard. But it's going to be a blessing to meet his wife-to-be tonight. So I want you to come and uh, meet Brother Chance. And, and we'll try to have a, a Deacon's meeting at 4.30 if y'all can make it, Deacon's, because we had not had one in a while. And we've got some uh, unfortunate business to take care of. I need to uh, ask you to help help me with. All right, let's go to Romans chapter 8 and verse, uh, let's start with 24. Let's all stand on the Word of God, amen? We honor the flag by standing, I hope you do, and we ought to honor God's Word. It says, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for? If you're trusting this old world, you're in trouble. But if we hope for that we have seen not, then do we with patience wait for it. How many need more patience? Say amen. The Bible says likewise. That's why I read those two verses. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. But we know not what we ought to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. For he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Here's our text this morning. For we know that all things work together. 
Underline the word together. For good to them that love God, uh, who are uh, to them all uh, who are the called according to his purpose. And for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his Son, that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestine them, he also called. And whom he called them, he also justified. And here's a comfort. And whom he justified them, he also will glorify. And I won't get to verse 31, but I just want to read it so the devil will hear it. It says, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? You may be seated as I pray. Father, we pray, dear God, you just bless your word as you always do to our hearts and help hearts to be open and God-focused and God uh, pay attention and with enthusiasm receive the word of God because it is the word of God, not the word of some man. And Lord, help us to fill, be filled with the Spirit of God to listen and to preach. God, if there's one that's lost that does not have the Spirit of God, please save them for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there's a lot in chapter 8 about uh, liberty. If you'll show that next slide, brother. The liberty that God gives us. Uh, we're not uh, just independent Baptists. We're dependent Baptists. And when you're saved by the grace of God, I want to say this, friend. You have, uh, you have liberty. That's why I put those chains up there. You're, you're set free from the world, the flesh, and the devil if you'll yield to the Spirit of God. And so we have independence uh, from frustration, and, and we have independence from uh, um, uh, the expectations of this world, and we can have the glorious liberty of the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And folks, the truth will set you free. And the truth is, the Holy Ghost lives inside of you, and folks, you can have victory over this world. That's liberty. In the will of God, you're free. You're free to, uh, to live in the express uh, blessings of God. And so you'll see that, folks, God help us to see the freedom and the liberty of living in the Spirit of God. Amen? Thank God for that. I appreciate it, that we have uh, the victory that was won at Calvary. So first of all, I want you to notice the confidence in verses 24 through 32. Uh, verse 24 says this, For we are saved by hope. Now, our salvation brings hope. And we have hope uh, that uh, the world knows not of. Amen? Folks, we're never hopeless. When a person is saved, they come into a great hope that the world can never give you. He can ne the world can never give you peace, but the world can never give you hope. And hope is not I hope so, it's a hope I know so. So there's a deliverance. Uh, by, by hope. Let me define hope for you. It's not visible. It's not visible. Um, look in verse uh, 25. It says, for um, it, uh, verse 24, it says, uh, that is seen is not hope, but what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for it? For we're saved by hope, but hope is, 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 is that is seen is not hope. Folks, there is no hope in politics. There's no hope in other people. There's no hope, folks, hope is from above. 
It's a divine blessing. Folks, we are, we are people of hope. The best is yet to come. I heard about a lady, uh, she had an unusual request when she died, uh, and they did this too. They said, she said, I want you to put a fork and a napkin in my hand, and when everybody comes by, they can look at that, and then they're going to ask you, preacher, what is that fork and what is that napkin for? And she was always of the, uh, the expressed opinion that um, the best part of a meal was uh, her dessert. And she's going to say, she was saying with that fork, is the best is yet to come. That was an unusual message to be in a casket. Uh, just put the Bible in the casket with me, praise God. Uh, the greatest of hope gives us patience. And the Bible says, well, to wait on it. And the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And they shall mount up with wings as eagles. And they shall run and not faint. Even the youth faint. But we should run. And we are not run in our own flesh. And so we see the duration of hope. It's the greatest of, of um, anticipations. Thank God for that song. He's coming and he's coming soon. Can somebody say amen? amen. I believe the rapture could take place any minute. I was looking for the rapture yesterday. I thought it would be a great, great day to have the rapture. While we're out visiting, it would be wonderful. Amen. Uh, I hope... Um, the rapture takes place when you're doing something spiritual. Amen. Wouldn't it be something if you're in a bar or a tavern, out doing something wicked, uh, you know, out of town, acting like a heathen, and the rapture takes place, and you're going to have to face God that second after that takes place. Folks, you ought to live each day as if it's your last. You ought to leave, leave, live each second as if the next second you hear the trumpet. Amen. That's a hope. We don't wait stagnant. We wait as a servant. We wait as a student. We wait as a messenger. Uh, waiting is not passive. Waiting is, is yielded to the Spirit of God. Then we see communion. Uh, number four, or number two. Uh, secondly, uh, communion. In verse 26 through 27, there's nothing like praying in the Holy Ghost. Now you say, what is praying in the Holy Ghost? Uh, it's referred to in Jude. It's also referred in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18, it's literally what these verses describe. It's not an unknown tongue, prayer language, which you can't even understand what you're praying and nobody else can. And if you had your prayers answered, you wouldn't even know if they were answered. You ought to give God the glory. So God's given you a, a tongue, a glossia, a language. You ought to pray in that language. Amen. But look at this. Here's how to pray in the Spirit. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmity. Folks, the practice of the Holy Spirit is likewise. The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. You know what that's saying? You're not patient. And you're not powerful. And you're not able to live the Christian life. And But God will live it through you. Isn't that a miracle? Yeah. Folks, I want to tell you something. This thing called salvation is spiritual. It's passing from death unto life. It's living the resurrected life. That's why there ought to be a difference in your life. There ought to be a delight in your life of living in the Spirit. You ought to long, desire to do things of God and for God that makes this world question, why in the world is he so happy? Why is he so driven? Why is he so faithful? Folks, I'll tell you why. God the Holy Ghost is inside of you and he's driving you, but he's not just driving you. He's delighting you. He's not. He's he's um he's 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 giving you a desire 
And therefore, if any man be in Christ is a new creature, old things pass away, but all things come new. There's a new appetite. There's a new attitude. Praise God, there is new actions. And folks, you get saved, it's a life-changing experience, say amen. Some people get saved and never change. You better watch out. You probably didn't get saved. You probably had a religious experience. You probably signed a card and you're still going to hell and you need to get saved, amen? You need to get saved. Folks, don't let the devil con you into just because you throw up a flare prayer that you're saved. Amen? I threw up a flare prayer the other day. I was in the intersection. A guy ran the stop sign, and I dodged him, and I prayed, oh, God, help me. And he did. Amen? They went in the ditch. But anyway, listen, likewise refers to the previous verses, which is speaking of hope. The Spirit of God is a spirit of hope. The Spirit of God is the greatest encourager you'll have. Why be discouraged when you've got the encourager living home residence? He's your home school teacher, praise God. Amen? He, he's lecturing you. He's teaching you the things of God. But he's making God real. Praying in the Spirit of God is saying, Hey, I know God better than you know God. And I know you better than you know you. And I know what you need but more than you know what you need. And so let me pray and lead you and escort you into the presence of God. And the Holy Ghost can check you. You ever prayed a worried prayer? You ever prayed a weak prayer? You ever prayed a doubting prayer? You know what the Holy Spirit's saying? Don't pray that way. Holy Spirit ought to check you when you start praying in the flesh. You ever prayed a vengeful prayer? Lord, just kill them. No, don't, don't, don't pray that. <laughs> Or have you ever prayed a prayer, a pitiful prayer? Oh, I'm about a dying. Just take me out of here. You know, and everybody else is dying. And somebody coughed. They got to have COVID. You know, don't pray that way. Pray, dear God, you're in control. And you're over all this mess. And I'm just going to trust you for the rest of my life, day by day. Look at verse 26 now. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray. Isn't that great to know that we got an interpreter? We got an intercessor. And it says this. It says, We should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Number one, I want to tell you something. The Spirit of God teaches you to pray and how to pray and what to pray for, but He also gives you a burden to pray. Have you ever had the Holy Ghost put a burden on your heart? And you pray for that person at that very moment. Come on. You've never been led by the Spirit of God. You've never been checked by the Spirit of God. In other words, He corrects your praying. But I want to tell you something. Have you ever just felt like you needed to pray for somebody? That's the Spirit of God. I mean, we're led by the Spirit. Some people are so uh, scared of this charismatic movement, they won't be led by the Spirit. Folks, it's a spiritual life. It's a supernatural life. Greater is He that is in me than He's in the world. And you ought to have a life that makes people a little uncomfortable. Amen? You ought to be less predictable. You ought to step out by faith and live by faith. And folks, I know if it's not scriptural, it's not spiritual, but I want to tell you something. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and there is life. And you ought to be led by the Spirit of God in your praying. And with groanings which cannot be uttered. It says cannot be uttered. They take that out of context and they start groaning and start speaking in some unknown tongue. That's not what that Bible says at all. Look at this though. 
And he that searches the heart knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. The pro- there's a problem in praying, but also there's a, there should be a passion in praying, but there's a perception in praying. Folks, God knows what God's will is. The Spirit of God leads you in the will of God. And I want to say this, a lot of times I prayed for something and I thank God the Lord didn't answer it. Because if He had answered, I wouldn't be here today. I'd be doing something else. I'd, I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be rich and famous. Because when I was young, I used to pray for that, amen? That was a dumb thing to pray for. You know, you ever pray for a million dollars? Lord, just give me a million. You know, just do it, just one. All these ball players, they have $48 million for signing, and, they, you know, they're sorry after they sign. And uh, Just give me one. You ever prayed that? Don't you look at me like you hadn't. Amen. Come on. You ever prayed for a beautiful girl, you know, to be your wife? Aren't you glad you didn't marry her? Amen. Aren't you glad you're married to the one you're married to? Say amen. Well, some men's got some sense. They said amen. But listen, folks, God help us to realize there is a properness of, of praying. According to the will of God. Folks, there, you know, you ought to have some confidence in prayer. Uh, folks, you know. You know, the Bible has several no's in the Bible. And I want to tell you something, friend. It is a wonderful exp- exp- uh, blessing when you know the will of God in prayer. Turn to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. 1 John 5, 14, real quick. The Bible says, and this is the confidence, that's what we're preaching on this morning, the confidence of walking in the Spirit. The confidence of being in the Spirit-filled life. It says, and for this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And listen to this, for if, for if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desire of Him. That sounds pretty confident, don't it? We know God's going to answer this prayer. And folks, it's God's will for people to be saved. 2 Peter 3, 9, He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So you're praying for somebody lost, and you say, if it be God's will. You don't have to put that on there. It is God's will. And you ought to pray with confidence. And if you don't pray in confidence, you won't get your prayers answered because you don't have faith. Folks, confidence. We know. We know. Uh, We know. Folks, there's a properness of praying. There's a problem of praying. We don't know how to pray and what to pray. We we can't get to the throne of God except the escort of the Holy Spirit through the blood of Jesus to the throne of God. There's a passion of prayer. You know why we have not? Because we ask not. You know, most of you, the problem with your prayer life is you don't pray. Most of us don't pray like we should. Can somebody say amen? I preach on prayer a lot, and every time I preach on prayer, I get a conviction about my prayerlessness. And then we have this perception, we want to pray for what we want. God wants what He wants. And folks, you get in on His will, it's exciting. And it's, it's liberating. And then I see the control of the spirit life. This is the verse I wanted to get to this morning, because I think we all need it. Look at verse 28. 
and we know. And we know. That phrase is mentioned many times in the Word of God. We know. Number one, we know we're going to heaven if we're saved. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. The Bible says this. Let me give, let me give it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, For we know that if our earthly tabernacle house of, of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house that's not made with hands, eternal in heaven. Folks, if you're not, you don't have 100% assurance of your salvation, you're living beneath your God-given privilege. You ought to know that you know that you know that you know that you're saved. How many know that? Say amen. amen. How many could not say amen to that? Don't raise your hand. Come to the altar and we'll help you this morning. You need to have full assurance of your salvation. Folks, we know uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. Look at this. 1 Peter 1, 18. Uh, let me just show you this verse and we'll get back to our text. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. The Bible says this. I'm in second, but that's good too. Amen? 1 Peter 1, 18. For as much as we know, there it is, that, we're, that we were... We were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your father, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Folks, we know. We know that we're saved because we know the blood is enough. Say amen. Calvary covers it all. It's another song I've had on my heart. Try that one, brother. But anyway... Calvary does cover it all. And then we know uh, that folks, if we're saved, we're going to go to heaven. Look back in our text in Romans chapter 8, verse 30. And I'll get back to 28 and 29. But I just want to show you the assurance you can have as a Christian. The confidence you can have as a Christian. You shouldn't go around doubting and pouting. You shouldn't go around as pitiful, but we ought to be claiming the promises. I've been talking to a lot of victims this week. We have a victim mentality. Yeah, you're probably listening. We have victim mentality. Oh, I'm a victim of this and victim of this. I talked to a guy this week. I said, hey, listen, if you're God-called missionary and you don't agree with the board that you're with, go find another board, but go back to the field. He says, no, I'm, I'm a victim. I, I can't. I'm all upset. I'm just tore up. Grow up. Hey, listen to me. If God's called you, the gates of hell should not prevail against that calling. Don't you think I've wanted to quit this church many times in 43 years of pastoring here? Don't you think my feelings have been hurt? Don't you think my family's been attacked? Don't you think my heart's been broken when people just walk out of here because the church gave me a Used vehicle for the 10th anniversary. But I want to tell you something, friend. God called me to pastor this church. And until God tells me to leave, I'm not leaving. Now, not that y'all are trying to run me off. If you want to, 75% vote, I'm out here. Even if I did start the church. But folks, when God calls you to be saved, you're going to heaven. Look at verse 30. Look at verse 30. Moreover, whom he predestined, them he also called, and whom he called, them also he justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Do you hear that? If he justified you, he's going to glorify you. 
You know what that's saying? Saved, saved, saved. Saved past tense from the penalty of sin. Saved present tense from the dominion of sin. The power of sin. And saved future tense from the very presence of sin. And I'm looking forward to that, aren't you? It's called heaven. Heaven. Thank God I'm going to heaven. You say, well, I hope so. It's more sure than that. Well, I'm holding on. I'm praying through. And I'm trying to do the best I can do. That's not good enough. Or why did Christ have to go to Calvary? Why did he have to shed his blood if there's a ladder to heaven? Jesus is enough. And his salvation is full and sufficient. And he ever liveth to make intercession. And he can say to the uttermost, if you've been in the guttermost. Folks, this verse tells me if, if you're saved, you're going to heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. I'm not cocky in myself. I'm confident in the promises of God and the power of God to save. There's two things that a lot of people have trouble with, the sovereignty of God and the providence of God. In Romans chapter 8, it says, For we know that all things work together for them that love God and called according to His purpose. Now, folks, sovereignty means this. God is king. He's over all creation. He exercised dominion over everything. His will, he chooses and carries out all that he wills, and nothing can stay his hand or dwarf his plan. God is sovereign. Now, you have a hard time with that, I'm sure, especially you that are Calvinists, which is an ungodly heresy. It's whosoever will, amen? He didn't predestine some to go to heaven and some to go to hell. And because you're predestined to go to hell, you ain't got no hope. That's a damnable doctrine. That low rates the blood of Jesus. Can somebody at least nod your little head and say, I agree. It's whosoever. And folks, this predestination in verse 29 does not deal with heaven. It deals with holiness. Remember that. For we know all things work together for the good of them that love God and called according to His purpose. It says, Moreover, whom He did predestine, them He also called, and whom He called, He also justified. But look in verse 29, For whom He did foreknow, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. See, once you get saved, He works all things together to make you more like Jesus. And so sometimes trouble's for chastening. And that's good. How many say amen to that? How many's ever been chastened by the Lord? If you've been saved over two weeks, you've been chastened probably. Aren't you glad God cared enough to get you out of the street of sin and whoop your rear end? Let me just say it more dignified. Correct your spirit. Correct your actions. And folks, the Bible says you're illegitimate if he, doesn't, if he don't correct you or chasten you, whip or scourge you. Folks, I want to tell you something. It's good because the Bible says in Hebrews that we can have the peaceable fruit of righteousness, that we can grow and mature. And so when God corrects you, learn from it. Don't run from it. I used to get a lot of whippings when I was a kid, and I deserved every one of them. But I remember one I got when I shot out my 
bedroom window, and my devilish friend who's now in heaven uh, got killed in a car accident just recently. He talked me into doing He said, I'll count and see how many BBs it takes waiting for you to blow out your bedroom window. And I was dumb, ignorant, unwise. I did it. And I remember my, my mother said, Kenneth Wayne Cofield, you come up here. I said, Bubby, we're going to go face some music. His name was Bubby. David Verlin Allison. If you had a name, name Verlin, you'd be called Bubby too. But old Verlin talked me into it, and then we went up to the den, and my asthmatic mama went out to the, her favorite bush and cut off a big hickory switch, and we began to run. And we ran around the table. I don't know why we didn't run out the door. We just ran around the table. I mean, we weren't too smart, and he was dumber than I was. And when she called us, when she caught me, she whooped the devil out of me, and then she whooped my best friend. Now, you wouldn't get away, you wouldn't get away with that today, say amen. You'd go to jail for that. Amen. Planned Parenthood would be knocking at your door. But I want to say this, friend, I needed it. And it was good. So all things work together for the good of them. So sometimes it's chastening. Sometimes it's conditioning. 2 Corinthians 4, 1, 4 says, With the comfort you receive, you comfort others. And folks, what you go through, God wants you to be a blessing to somebody else. I mean, I know what it's like to live in a, a drunk's home. I know what it's like to live in a home where there's fussing and fighting over that. And I can help people. Because, you know, God saved my daddy at 63 years of age. Say amen right there, Tria. Her daddy just got right with God at 63. But then there's Providence. God is king over the whole life. In other words, he's running the whole show. His rule is absolute, but the bottom line is God is in control of the events in your life. And that is certain in the uncertain future that God's going to work everything together for your good and His glory. That's the providence of God. I believe in that. You know why I believe in that? Because I believe Romans 8, 28 and 29. I believe in the providence of God. And folks, I want you to know this, for we know all things. I want you to see the completeness disclosed. Folks, He wants to control your life, but He wants to complete your life. And you're not complete unless you're in the will of God. All things. It didn't say some things. It didn't say many things. He said all things. There's not a circumstance. There's not a situation. It's happening in your life that God cannot take it and turn it around for your good. According to this verse. And if you don't believe this verse, you don't believe any verses. Might as well just cut it out. Folks, there's not one situation, not one circumstance that God cannot turn around. Not a physical ailment. Not a financial struggle. Not a spiritual battle. Not even a defeat, not discouragement, not distress. What he cannot take with absolute certainty in an uncertain world and use it for your good. The Bible teaches all things. The Bible teaches that God is in control. He's an all-knowing, all-powerful God. And so folks, we see very clearly the completeness of the providence of God. 
But we also see the comfort declared. All things work together for good. You know, that makes all things His employees. They work together under His rule, over His overrule. He's in charge. He's in charge when you're falling apart. So why have a nervous breakdown? Just trust God. Just trust God. Why worry and fret? Just trust God. I'm not talking about this escapism uh, philosophy. Well, just praise God anyway. Oh, your mother dies? Praise God. Yeah, that sounds real spiritual. But what you need to do is praise God. I'm hurting. My heart's broken. I can't take it. And God, I praise you for the comfort you're going to give me. Let's don't be so flippant and so callous that we escape from reality. It hurts. It's all right to grieve. It's all right to mourn. It's all right to feel brokenhearted. But I want to tell you something. Don't do it the rest of your life. Get up and praise God for the providence of God. All things work together. Together. That's the key word in that verse that I overlooked for many years. Folks, God knows how to mix it together. God's the master shelf. And I love homemade biscuits. But I hate lard. And I hate baking soda. My mother made me brush my teeth with baking soda when I was a kid. And I got good teeth because of that. But I hate baking soda. And I'll tell you what, my daddy used to drink buttermilk with cornbread in it. And I thought he was absolutely shot, crazy. I said, he, he, he's hung over. That's what he's doing. He's punishing himself. He actually loved that clambering stuff called buttermilk. I can't stand it. I've never drank an ounce of it. I wouldn't put it over cornbread. I wouldn't put it over anything. And flour, if I took that individually, it choked me to death. But I want to tell you something. You put it in a master shelf like my wife. She made me some last night with salmon. Woo! Brown gravy. Mmm. Rice. Caffeine-free sweet tea. Oh, it was wonderful. Folks, I sure love homemade biscuits. God might have you in the oven right now. And you're squirming, and you're kicking, and you're hollering. I hate lard. I hate baking soda. I hate buttermilk. Wait a minute. Let God put it all together. You'll sure love homemade biscuits. Amen? See, God works it together. So you know what that tells me in this verse, y'all? God is sovereign. Hey, God is He's a God of providence. He allows stuff to come in your life, allows things to happen like corona. You think God's out of control during this time? Virus. Politicians. Friends betray you. Walk off. Sickness, death, sorrow. All that individually is a dose of lard. It's a clump of flour. It's clabbered buttermilk. It's making you sick. But if you'll let God put it together. And so with the sovereignty and the providence of God, there is our response. 
All things work together. That means you've got to do a little work. You know what that work is? Submit. Surrender. Stop feeling sorry for yourself and have faith. Hey, stop complaining and start praising. And then God will take your life. And it'll be good. But it'll only just be good. Look at the last phrase of that verse. It says, we know that all things work together to them that love God. He'll help you develop in your love for God. But not only that, to them that are, are called according to His purpose. Three key words. Love, called, purpose. Folks, I want to tell you what God wants in your life. Verse 29, for whom He did foreknow, He did predestine to be conformed to the image of His Son. He wants you to be like Him. And sometimes trouble is for chastening. Sometimes troubles for conditioning to help others as you go through that valley, 2 Corinthians 4. Sometimes it's for a miracle. God does perform miracles through prayer, not fake healers on TV making millions of dollars. Prayer, prayer, submission. But all trouble, all trouble, verse 29, is for conforming. Everything in, that happens in your life works together as you work together with the Holy Ghost and the Word of God and die to self, and that's not easy. And stop complaining, that's not easy. Stop getting bitter, that's not easy. But submit and surrender and believe and you'll be conformed to His image. You'll turn out more forgiving than you ever have before. That missionary brother... Jason referring to says, I've got several people that I thought my relationships was right with. And I've got to come home and get reconciled because it's affecting my ministry. You know what I wrote back? It said, Mark, God bless you. Can we help you when you get back? He realized he could not stay in Taiwan with a person that had all against him. I wish some of you would do that before you teach Sunday school. I wish you'd do that before you try to be a deacon. I wish you'd do that before you try to be a preacher. Folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. He said, i got to get that right before I can be effective. I'm coming home. Because he said, because of this hurt, we're sick, we're bitter, COVID's taking over Taiwan, and we need a break. I said, come on home. I didn't have to give him permission. God told him to. But I want to say this. It's important to missionary. It's important to you. But it's more important to God that you be like Him. And folks, the, the most you're like Him is when you're forgiving. When you're loving. When you're kind. When you're patient. You're more like the devil when you lie. And when you're angry. And when you're bitter. And so who do you want to be like in this world? i tell you who I want to be like. I want to be like Jesus. So I'm just going to let everything work together to make me more like Him. And folks, there's the key. There's the, there's the conforming 
of the spiritual life that God works all things together that love God that are called according to His purpose. And what is His purpose? To glorify Him. Isaiah 43, 7 says He created you for His glory. Bottom line, end of story. Revelation 4, 11 says all things were created for His pleasure. Hebrews eleven six says you cannot please God except by faith. God created you for His glory to live by faith and surrender during all these things. And trust the providence and sovereignty of God. When you feel like falling apart, just fall at His feet and say, Dear God, I can't trace you, but I'm sure going to trust you. Father, use the message. Thank you, God, for this powerful verse. These powerful verses. And God, conform us to your image.